Week 14 of our series through the book of Mark called Servant King. I've titled this sermon, Thy Kingdom Come. Thy Kingdom Come. I want to pick up where we left off last week, and that was where Jesus had pulled his disciples together, and he began to speak to them in parables. And then afterwards, his disciples came to him, and they said, Jesus, uh, we don't fully understand what you were saying. Will you break this down to us? And so Jesus began to explain the parables to them. I want to give you the definition of, of a parable. It's my working definition. It's kind of like a, a combination of, of many different definitions, but I think it fits with where we're going. I define a parable as a simple, practical, and inspired illustration with a connected spiritual lesson or principle. A simple, practical, and inspired illustration with a connected spiritual lesson or principle. I said to you last week that, that rabbis in the time of Christ um, spoke in parables, and the parables were given orally in a specific patterns. The, the, the rabbi would first teach, and then he would summarize uh, the parable, and then he would illustrate the parable. Jesus, as a rabbi, followed this same pattern. And the parables of Jesus, I'm not sure what the parables of the, of the other rabbis were designed to do, but the parables of Jesus were designed to do two things simultaneously. They were designed to both reveal and conceal the truth, hiding the truth from those who weren't really seeking the truth and revealing the truth to those who were. Today, our parables have several things in common. But the one thing that they have in common is that they're all about the kingdom of God, how it's revealed, its growth, and its expansion. So that's why I've titled this sermon today, Thy Kingdom Come. In Christ, the kingdom of God has now arrived. That's what Jesus is saying in this, in this Pastor Scripture, I'm here, it's now arrived. And so our text presents us with three truths, three principles of the kingdom of God that Jesus speaks to in our past today. And here's the first, that the kingdom is designed to be discovered. It's designed to be discovered. Are you at verse 21 in chapter 4? Nobody said anything. Chapter 4, Mark. All right, here we go. And he said, who's he? Jesus. Jesus said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The lamp here in this text represents the truth of the kingdom of God. Its message, the message of the kingdom, the message of the gospel is what enlightens us. And at the same time, it becomes our invitation into the kingdom of God. It enlightens us. I love what Jesus says here. He says, listen, he says, the lamp is brought in to be, is a lamp brought in to be put under a bed? Or under a basket and not on a stand. 
says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. I am the light of the world, and I am here. I have arrived on scene. I will not be hidden. And matter of fact, Jesus goes on to say, in John, design the way, the truth, and the life. No one can even come to the Father except by me. I am here. The lamp, the word is here. David started off when he talked about the lamp in Psalms 119, 105. He said, thy word, who is the word? Jesus, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Jesus says in John 17, he says, he says to the Father, sanctify them with the truth. He says, I am the truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus is talking about himself here. Now listen, I want you to turn with me over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Did you go to John chapter 14? <laughs> I'm glad you're listening to me. I was just testing you. No, actually, I meant John chapter 1. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 1. Talk to you about, about the incarnate Son of God. It says, in the beginning was the Word. This is John talking now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was in the, and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. I love what the King James says, the darkness does not comprehend it. Hmm. There was a man sent from God whose name, was, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the, about the light that all might believe through him. He wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The light had come. Jesus Christ had arrived on scene. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people. They did not receive him. But listen to this now. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, but the will of God. Why are you saying that, Greg? Why are you, why are you bringing that to pass? Because I want to I go back to what Jesus said about the lamp, about the light. He said the lamp, the light had come into the world to reveal what was meant to be revealed from the very beginning. He said the thing that was hid, the thing that was in the dark, that, that was meant to be revealed from the very beginning is revealed now because I am here. He said the very thing that has, been, that, that has been in the dark now, that the light has come, it is now revealed. 
And the only reason why that it was in the dark is because the light hadn't come. How, how can I say this a different way, Lord? How can I say this a different way? There is nothing that is hidden that is not supposed to be revealed in the light. There is nothing that is in the dark that is not supposed to be brought into the light when the light arrives. Jesus tells us we are the salt of the earth. He says we are the what? We are the light of the world. Where is it that we can't go that we don't bring the light with us into the darkness? What is it that has been kept secret that the Lord won't reveal through us if we're following him? Jesus says, I'm here. And if you want, if you want me to bring you out of those dark places to handle the situations that have been dark in your life that you have not been able, that you have not been able to overcome or conquer. then you have to have ears to hear what I'm saying. You have to have ears to hear what I'm saying. Let me ask you this. You've heard me say this time and again. I feel my help coming now. Every disciple of Jesus Christ should be asking three questions. First of all, God is always speaking. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. God is always speaking. The three questions we need to ask is, God, what are you, what, what are you saying to me? Do I have ears to hear what you are saying? And then what do you want me to do about what you're saying? And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, when you pay attention to what you hear, what you've been given, I'll give you more. When you pay attention to, to what you're hearing, when, when, I, when, I, when I begin to reveal the darkness in your life, the more, the more you hunger for more revelation, the more revelation I'll give you. You guys with me so far? For to the one who has will be given more, and from, and from the one who has not it will be taken, even what he has will be taken away. I thought about that to, uh, this whole week as I was wrestling with this text. And I thought about when I used to lift weights. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I won't, remember, I won't mention their name, Ty. <laughs> who's, been, who's been working out? And I remember when I used to work out, man. I, I remember when I, was, when I was young and I was on the farm and I used to run. We used to run. We used to sprint like a mile. Sprint, right? We'd get off the bus and just run all the way home. Run, right? 
um, when, I, when, I was in, when I was in high school, I used to bodybuild, I used to work out and, and run. When I got out of high school and, and you know, became an adult and didn't have time to work out like I used to, I, I, grabbed, I, 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 I bought a bike, like a real nice mountain bike, man, like a K2 mountain bike. And I used to ride that bike, man, and exercise my muscles. I stayed in shape, right? I'd use those muscles that God gave me. But then I got a little older. <laughs> Had a couple kids. Had a couple kids, right? I had the bike that, you know, you used to have to put your foot in the stirrups. You guys know those ones you click in like this here? You know, and so your foot stays on the pedal even if you can't slip it off, right? I had one of those bikes. Um, I traded those shoes in for some motorcycle boots. And I got lazy. And I got to the point to where I put my boots on, man. I walk out to my motorcycle, put my gear on. By the time I got to the motorcycle, I was tired, man. <laughs> Lifting my leg up like this to get over the seat and stuff, right? And, I, and I, at first, I started blaming it on my age. I'm like, man, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. No, yeah, you know, you can blame it on age all you want to, but here's the truth. If you don't use the muscles that you have, you will lose it. That's the point. Use it. Go on and preach it then. Use it or lose it. He that has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Pay attention to what you hear. Because the measure that you use what you hear it will be measured back to you and given more will be added to you. The more you desire to hear, the more you will hear. The more you hear, the more you get. The more you hear, the more will be given to you. How many more ways can I say it? You with me? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Use what you have or lose it. Lord, help me today. Verse 24 of Mark, chapter 4, verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. For the measure that you use, it we measure to you, and still more will be added. For the one who has, for to the one who has more, it will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has shall be taken away. James tells us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Paul writes for us in Romans, he said, how can they hear without a preacher, and how can they preach except they be sent. And he says, so faith, our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Pay attention to what you hear. That's the point. What is the kingdom of God? We're talking about the kingdom of God today. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God over all things. Everything that was created by God he reigns and rules over. But now let me boil it down and make it specific to us. It's the reign and the rule 
of God in our hearts, in the hearts of men and women who are willing to join him in fulfilling his purpose in this world. That's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God lives in us. The kingdom of God is in our hearts. We, am, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And God has gifted us and empowered us to fulfill his purpose. Brings me to my second point. The kingdom is beyond our understanding and our control. What I love about this parable that Jesus is speaking of today is this parable is found exclusively in Mark. And it shares some of the, some of the elements from the earlier passage of the soil that I, I spoke to you about last week. But, but this parable is symbolic also of something entirely different. I want you to pay attention so you don't miss it. And here it is, verse 26, verse 26 through 29. And Jesus said, he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Saw that last week. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts a sickle, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Here's what makes this parable different. It's the fact that the seed here grows by itself. There's nothing competing for the seed. There's no birds in the air that are competing for, for the seed, trying to snatch it away. There's no thorns. There's no rocks. The seed is there by itself. So this parable is unique in its message. Here's some other things that are unique. The sower in this passage, in this parable, is not Jesus. The sower is us. And as a sower, we play a minimal role. The seed grows independent of our effort. And the growth of the seed is a mystery to the sower. So here's the point that I don't want you to miss. The spread of the gospel and reaping the harvest has very little to do with our efforts. The power behind the gospel has very little to do with our efforts. Our responsibility is to scatter the seed of the gospel, but the success of the growth and the expansion of the gospel is totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the timing of God. I love what Paul says about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So he says neither the person that plants or waters is, is of any significance. It, they, they're not anything. But only God who gives the increase. We are responsible to scatter the seed. It's God's responsibility to do the rest. Amen? Amen. The kingdom grows. We don't understand it. We can't control it. But in spite of us, it continues to grow. It continues to advance. The kingdom of God is on the move, and it brings me to my third and final point. The kingdom of God is on the move, and we've been invited to join in its movement. Let's pick it up at verse 30. And he said, 
With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nest in its shade. Here's the point. What starts off tiny, God grows into something magnificent. It may not look big right now. It may look small and insignificant right now. But the seed is designed to grow. The seed of the word of God is designed to be, to be the biggest and the strongest, no matter how small it may look. Can you see this, the, the mustard seed? That's an actual mustard seed. Can you see that on the tip of that person's finger? That's a small seed. A mustard seed is, is about one millimeter in diameter. It's tiny, it's small, it's insignificant. And although it's an herb, this mustard plant is capable of growing up to heights of 12 to 15 feet and attain a thickness of four, three to four inches in diameter. This tiniest of all seeds ends up dominating the landscape. Isn't that amazing? That little tiny seed. The difference between the tiny seed and, and the huge herb that, that grows into this magnificent tree is an excellent illustration of the, of the difference between the kingdom of God at its beginning and by design what it has grown to be and what it continues to grow into. Again, I said. I say it this way, this little tiny insignificant seed buried in the soil is indicative of what the religious leaders assumed that they would do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The thing is tiny, is insignificant compared to, to our government. It's a minority religion, and so we'll, we'll, just, we'll just bury it. Did you know that with just a few exceptions, growth in every work of God begins in obscurity with humble beginnings? Did you know that? So it is with the church. The church began in obscurity, began um, under immense pressure and persecution and ridicule. It started with 12 men, tiny group of people, minuscule like this mustard seed that was placed in the ground. And remember, I told you about these guys a couple weeks ago when I said, man, these were a ragtag group of guys. Man, this was a motley crew that Jesus had put together. And I tell you, I believe that it was by the power of God that they stayed together. And it was certainly by the power of God that this band of brothers began to move into, into forming a, a, a brotherhood that grew into a movement that the Roman government couldn't control. And it still continues to grow today. In his book, The Next Christendom, Philip Jenkins, who's a professor at Penn State University, suggests that we in the West may be ignorant of the worldwide size and extent and growth of Christianity outside of our culture here in the West. And so to this statement, he offers these statistics. Listen to this. 
In 1900, there were approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By the year 2000, there were 136, uh, there was 360 million. By the year 2025, conservative estimates are that the growth of Christianity in Africa will rise to approximately 633 million people. These same estimates put to the number of Christians in Latin America in 2025 will put that estimate at 640 million and in Asia, 460 million. And these are conservative estimates of the growth of Christendom. The same conservative estimates estimate that by 2050 there will be 3.2 billion Christians in the world, one and a half times the number of Muslims in the world. And by 2050, there will be nearly as many, I love this stuff, there will be nearly as many Pentecostal Christians in the world as there are Muslims in the world. Pentecostal Christians. Y'all know what I mean by Pentecostal Christians? Ah, glory. Let me say this. Now, I have struggled today with this message. I don't know. I, I kind of knew I was going to struggle when I walked in. I didn't know why. I was just feeling like I was battling and going through some warfare. But I want you all to leave with this. If you don't leave with anything else, I want you to leave with this. If you're a child of God, the kingdom of God, his kingdom is being revealed in you right now. The king of this kingdom that is advancing and is on the move, that king, listen, is our king. We're part of, we're not part of some inferior kingdom family. We are, we are, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, and his kingdom is advanced, and it's on the move, and you and I are part of this movement. And by design, God's kingdom is programmed to not just survive, but to thrive in places that it's not supposed to be in. I think of all the different places that Jesus meant that, that Jesus went that modern Christianity in his time said, or, or, or should I say, the religious right told him he wasn't supposed to go to. The woman at the well, having dinner at Matthew's house, healing the sick, cleansing the leper. All the places that we're not supposed to go into, the kingdom of God thrives in those places. God is calling us to those places, the common Christianity. Common Christianity says we're not supposed to go to. And so I, I, wonder, I just want to encourage you with this, that any kind of Christianity that preaches withdrawing from the world, we need to keep away from that. We need to be aware of that. We should desire to be that seed that grows so big that we don't fear the birds when the birds come to land on us and come to rest on us and seek comfort and shade on us. You know what the birds represent in this parable? It represents those who are on the outside who don't know Jesus Christ. 
those who are being influenced by the enemy, those who haven't embraced the gospel. We should, be, we should want to be so strong in our faith that the birds can come and rest on us and we don't have to worry about them changing us. We change them. Mitch, you can come to the piano if you would, for the guitar. Little by little, event by event, the kingdom of God began to flourish until what began as this little, tiny mustard seed, this little, tiny, fledgling group, ragtag band of brothers, has now become a worldwide, unstoppable movement that you and I are part of. I want to encourage you with this. What does this mean for me, Pastor Greg? What does this mean? I want to encourage you to do these things this week. As it relates to the truth of the kingdom of God, first thing I want you to do is be mindful that God is always speaking, that he's always wanting to shine the light on the dark places in our lives and use us as lights to shine a light in the dark places that he wants to send us into. You guys following me? And understand that God is always speaking. And so the question is, are you listening to what he's saying? Do you have ears to hear what he's saying? And then what will you do about it? The second thing, scatter the seed. That is our responsibility. We've been given seed in certain measures. It's our responsibility to sow the seed. It's God's responsibility to give the increase. So trust God to give the increase. And at the same time, we need to trust God to grow each of us to his prescribed measure for our lives. What do you mean by that, Pastor Greg? Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Listen, if you're like me and you're 30-fold, don't be jealous of the person that's 60 or 100. Use the gifts and talents that God has given you and allow God to grow you and develop you. And then third, don't be afraid of the birds. Or fourth, don't be afraid of the birds. Listen, I, God has been dealing with me on going to this place that I've been passing by time and again, waiting for his green light to go into that place. I'm going to tell you, it's not like, you know, a place where, you know, it's illicit, illegal, or immoral, or anything like that. You want to, you know, think that your pastor is going someplace he's not supposed to be. But it is off. It is a place that is considered something that Christians wouldn't frequent. But I believe that God will send me to that place at the right time, maybe for just one person who's in the dark that he wants to use a light in me to shine a light on them to bring them out. What about you? Are you afraid to go where the birds are? Are you afraid to go out into the world like we're supposed to? Don't be afraid because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world.